Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit View, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits, and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities, and you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and on Twitter. I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, Mission Possible, or Door of Hope. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account, and you'll find a link to open the account on the episode page. You can also email me questions at consulting at com, or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You'll find a Nonprofit U fan page on Facebook, and the Twitter account is at Nonprofit U. We'll be taking questions by phone and from my chat room at about the 20-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Today's episode is Mission Possible, Changing Lives Through Position, Power, and Purpose. David Templeton is the Executive Director of the Dora Hope Rescue Mission, and he'll talk about the mission's work and share lessons learned in delivering faith-based services to the homeless men in transition. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and participate in live chats at about the 30-minute mark. I'm sorry, the 20-minute mark. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit professionals, educators, and community stakeholders are especially encouraged to call in and share your stories. So, David, thank you so much for being on Nonprofit View today. It's indeed an honor to have you. Can you... Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to work for the Door of Hope Rescue Mission. Sure. First of all, uh, thank you so much, Valerie, for uh, inviting me to your podcast. Uh, only for a short period, but uh, you know, I really admire the work that your organization does as well, and I hope that in this conversation we can get more people inspired to do greater things. I'm a baby boomer, product of West Chatham. Uh, mm-hmm born in actually North Kenwood, uh, but I'm also a product of corporate America, the Chicago Public Schools. I work for Continental Bank, Sidney Bowles, engineering firm Thomas & Clark, Olaf Motors. I've uh, been employed since the late 70s. Wow. Well, that gave me professional presentation, I know, right? <laughs> uh, <maybe laughs> professional presentation, technical and business mm-hmm. skills, and an insight to do the work that I believe that God has made me available to him to do. Uh, so the mission itself was founded in 1954 by Pacific Garden Mission. Uh, there was a need for a homeless shelter, um, two words I don't like put together, uh, on the south side. And uh, we started on 47th and State next to a bar called the Bucket of Blood, which burned down. And now oh, we're firmly wow. ensconced across the street from Greater Bethesda, yes, the Pool of Bethesda, uh, yeah. Baptist Church on corner 53rd in Indiana. We've been here since 1975. I'm the seventh man to run the uh, operation within itself. And mm-hmm. uh, I got here via Oakdale Covenant Church, uh, Pastor D. Dale Griffith, pastor. We had a, uh, a, a presentation by the former chairman, Harry Thomas, who came 
um, and gave a brief message about Dog Hope Rescue Mission. I had never seen a homeless shelter, and everything in my head was speculation and just wrong, condescending oh. thinking. So I called him. Mm-hmm. And uh, these words, you know, uh, Mr. Thomas, the Lord has put it on my heart to make myself available for whatever it is you need. So that was in 2005. And 12 okay. years later, you're right now. Um, oh, that's but, you know, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I worked on the board at first for five years, but I felt more compelled mm-hmm. to be a more active part of the vision for the future. So with the economic downturn of 2009, luxury car sales were probably not going to be in my destiny much longer. So I devoted more and more of my time reengineering the administrative and service aspects from an operations standpoint for the mission. So I called a bunch of places and called them letting them know that I was totally clueless. And, uh, you know, if they had any time, I'd like to come and be a sponge. And everyone mm-hmm. I called, everyone I called, Open their door. Sure. I'll tell you whatever you need to know. Wow. And, um, yeah. So, you know, you know, you, you got to learn how to do it from the people. So, um, you know, being clueless didn't last very long. And uh, the help that I got also from Dr. Wrightrice Richardson from National Lewis University uh, was tremendous. She had a group uh, put our strategic plan together for us. And that was really working to get things in place so that we see um, – the uh, completed projects up till now. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a Sunday school teacher at Oakdale. I had the men's class, so I had a passion for men's ministry, which I would say is the ultimate building block that brought me here. Mm, that is great. So can you give us an overview of the missions, programs, and services, especially as it relates to your strategic planning process? We are a rescue mission. Rescue mission differs in that we don't do overnight shelter, emergency shelter anymore. We used to. Um, Mm -hmm. We used to place teams with 80 people, which was Mm -hmm. unlawful, uncomfortable, and unsafe. Well, now we we carry 26 uh, comfortably. Uh, And a rescue mission is a gospel-based organization whose focus is uh, more holistic than it is social service. And while people need social service, there are places around here we do a great job, we send them there. Mm-hmm. But here, okay. it's really, you need a place to sleep. You need a place to think. You need to be around people who are like-minded in terms of moving forward in their life. And with us being in the middle of a bedroom community, uh, our services also impact the community in that we, you know, uh, we have to, be mindful of who our clientele are. We have to be mind our uh, our presence in the community shows uh, a blend in the community, and mm-hmm. that, that's even scripture. Uh, you know, when you look at the, the first Christians in Acts and Book Back, um, we're a uh, we're a dynamic body of believers and men here. Uh, in that, uh, two years ago, I probably had ten percent unemployment. 10% employment, now I've got 80. Uh, and I'm not speaking of the jobs that, you know, really are not going to help a person move on. I'd say a large percentage of those jobs are from people who are, are gainfully employed uh, and move a little bit more comfortably than just say that they were uh, 
in a desperate situation with strictly desperate people, and the desperation was never addressed. And and I think um, that that is the one thing that this being a community environment has helped the most because the desperation eases and hope arises. And I and I think that when you when you first lose your your housing, whatever, uh, be it mm-hmm. uh, your prison, be it uh, you, your job, you no longer have income, uh, be mm-hmm. it a, a breaking relationship, be it anything, whatever causes a person to lose their home, they are already homeless before they leave. Mm-hmm. Now they're just houses. So we provide a home, a home environment here, so that for now it's a house. And maybe addressing some of the social issues that were not addressed mm-hmm. in that past situation where they do not fall back into whatever it was. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's it's very holistic. Okay, great. So how do you integrate people within the community? You know, because all too often when we see homeless shelter, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. it's usually a matter of us versus them, us people in the community and then those folks over there who happen to have fallen on hard times. And, you know, they're kind of an island onto themselves, and we don't really integrate them into our day-to-day stuff, quote-unquote, in the community. So can you share with us a little bit about that, you know, how, do you, how you work with, with the folks and the community? I think it's really with the desire and the work of the residents. Uh, they mm-hmm. understood the vision, and mm-hmm. they understood the vision required us to become a community within a community, meaning that we we're men. We're going to act like men. We're you know we're mm-hmm. we're going to uh, change our lives. There's there's no violence in this building. People don't get along on small things, petty stuff. But you know it's, it's not a dangerous place. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a good start right there. Okay, um, yeah. In the community sees that when they don't feel fear from the persons coming in and out of this building, it allows them to relax. They're not wondering who broke into their car. They're not wondering uh, uh, about people running in and out of this building who are hiding from the police or anything like that. None of that. Not having any of that. Um, There's a vetting process that's very extensive um, because, you know, the community within itself, it has a homeless population of its own. But to bring somebody mm-hmm. from other communities who uh, are looking for trouble, they're not going to have it. Um, you know, and then the fact that there are some things that are just required that a lot of people who don't see a sense of adding a value added to their presence in the community wouldn't want to do anyway. Uh, no. You know, everybody has a chore. Everybody uh, is required to maintain, manage their money, uh, mm-hmm. maintain relationships with their family, with their uh, develop a vocational uh, aptitude of some sort, and of course mm-hmm. the church uh, church home. So, you know, we've we've gotten a, a, a much better relationship with our Ottoman Pat Dow, uh, our, our immediate neighbors. Uh, we are no longer in a quarrel state with them uh, because we don't have people who are coming in drunk, and we don't have people who are want to see as them because within their own families, in their own circles, they are also the same thems. So it's not the address that makes a person them. It's the behavior that makes a person them. And we try to mm-hmm. get rid of that line of, of the demarcation of us and them. Because if we're all supposed to be God's people, there is no us and them within us. So um, 
we've done a good job of blurring that line and bringing uh, uh, a wholesome environment that impacts our neighbors and our community. So we're not just taking stuff, we're giving. I love it. I love it. I just want to let folks know that they're listening to Nonprofit You. Our guest for today is David Pendleton. He's the executive director of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission. We'll be taking questions from our callers and the chat room. Thank you for joining us in the chat room, guys. At about the 20-minute mark, our call-in number is 347-884-8121. And again, we'll be taking questions at about the 20-minute mark. So, David, your basic philosophy and approach to your work, and I think you probably touched on it already, is to change lives through position, power, and purpose. Can you expound a little on that? Oh, yeah. You got an hour? Sure. Um, position. <laughs> in itself, <laughs> right? Uh, we have to be in position or available to be useful. And positioning has to be desired. And I came to the whole rescue mission, as I mentioned earlier, by submitting myself and being in position to be effective. You have to have a burden in your heart. Um, and, and, and rather than worrying so much about your your aptitude or your your ability, concern yourself with your availability. What am I available to do now? That's positioning. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and a lot of men have really come through, coming through these doors, have seen their position within their families and within uh, relationships improve, or when you make your hands available to help or you make your money available to invest, You've changed your entire attitude about squandering and spending and 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 wasting. It, it is now your life is an eternal investment, and that comes through positioning, uh, power. Many people that we know, I mean, most of our friends and relatives right now are going through trauma and crisis. It's just it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way we're. That's the world we're in, and we feel powerless. And also, often. You're recipients of many words. Oh, I'll be praying for you. You know, and all these words of comfort and all this. But do I have words <laughs> of, of encouragement, enable, or do they empower? And you know, measuring our words to empower as opposed to enable creates stronger bonds. I mean, you may not have the personalities that mesh per se, but they know they can depend on you to be you to be there at that right time. And if you are empowered in the way that I feel we should be, that means it's the evidence where our prayer life is. Is, is, is preeminent, um, then you have realized that power does not really come from you. It comes through you. So it's my responsibility yeah. to make my words count when dealing with speaking into someone's life. And I've learned my limits, believe me, and I'm grateful. So, <laughs> you know, if we're helpless in Christ, we're not hopeless. Uh, power of the Spirit himself must be comprehended in a manner which a person can actually grasp. So, at the end, you know, we're talking about purpose. You know, our identity uh, proceeds our purpose. If we have no identity, we don't really have much of a purpose. However, God has purposed all of us to live for him, worship him. And that being our, our purpose on this earth, again, you look for the power and the positioning to create your purpose and and, and its value, and it is, it's not a self-contained value. You have to be valuable to somebody else. You have to be relationship-oriented. I consider our donors and volunteers, and even the men here, and even you, transformation partners. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, when we understand that we are created to be partners and heirs in, in you know on this earth to work together to get things done. We don't need a million people to get together and walk around and say this 
How about your next door neighbor? How about your sister? How about your wife? How about your kids? They need you too. And we have to be available uh, to to answer the call. And I think we've mm-hmm. lost that. Yeah. Indeed. So along those lines, what are some of the greatest challenges facing the mission as well as your clients? I probably the biggest problem we got um, because it's really not funded well enough to enhance, to expand the staff or do some of the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've probably gone through a, a year period, several years period trying to do it all, uh, which mm-hmm. doesn't work. You know, that's, that's right. one-on-one, but some of us have to learn the hard way. Um, but that's, that's one of our biggest problems. I think getting exposure um, to the right people who have a passion for what we do uh, is forthcoming. Um, you know, getting the right board members who uh, understand the responsibilities of a board, uh, who understand the, the, the vision of the mission, and are truly, truly not overwhelmed by giving some effort. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think those partnerships are, are vital to any organization or organism and its growth and its and its sustainability. Um, as for the men, um, I would like to renovate this building sooner. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the building has really outgrown its usefulness in its present state. Um, you know, most of the men here, if we had a major project like we wanted to tear down a wall and drywall it, I got. A bunch of guys that would be love to help because they mm-hmm. benefit greatly from being here. So I have the hands, um, but it's really just um, whoever's listening, just your continued prayer and support uh, for mm-hmm. the right thing, right people and resources to come our way. Because I've seen some miracles, so you know I am not uh, faint of heart uh, on what mm-hmm. our future is like. But uh, I I need a vacation and any time away, and the place needs to breathe without me. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a challenge. I got you. So I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you, but, you know, you've got my, my mind turning. So when we talk <laughs> about your needing and resources, you know, if you were to have your druthers and if you, you know, we're not in the place of God, but if you were praying, right, if, if you were asking God specifically what, things you need, what people and resources you need, what would that list look like? Uh, For additional mission-minded board members, an executive assistant who understands Mercy Missions, um, um, you know, um, anything that I don't see uh, to open my eyes to it, because I'm sure there are things that I don't see, I don't, I don't catch myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, greater trust between myself and my clientele that they will be when we come to the table on Mondays and Wednesdays, and making not being uh, uh, limited in their thinking as to what their contribution would be in terms of suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a set of written rules. It's pretty much common sense, you know. I grown, <laughs> you know. Um, that's some money. We need money. Lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, we don't need Donald Trump type money, but we need um, people who have a passion for what we're doing to get the checkbook out. You know, um, tan goods and old clothes, they're great, but they don't keep the lights on. You know, salvation is free with ministry costs. And we have to, you know, look at the seriousness of the work that we're doing. And 
you know, we I know that any investment into this mission is going to go further out to help the rest of the community, mm-hmm. you know, in some way, shape, or fashion, because I see the growth. I see the growth in the men. I see the growth in even some of the churches that come here and minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gone from oh. the condescending preaching to the fellowship and partnership uh, word of God. So, I mean, I've seen, mm-hmm. seen great changes. Oh, awesome, awesome. Okay, it's 220, and I want to remind folks that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and our guest is David Pendleton. He's the executive director of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission on the south side of Chicago. We'll now take questions from our callers and our chat room. Our call-in number is 347-884-8121. And before we take any calls or questions, I just want to acknowledge two people who have been loyal followers of the show, um, Rochelle and JP. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your consistent support. And on that note, JP, who is joining us from the chat room, and then he has a question. So his first comment, and I thank him for it, is God bless both of you on the great work you're doing. So thank you. I, I know I need all the blessings that I I can get, and, and we know that the mission, I don't want to speak for you, but given what you just told us, we know the mission can use blessings. And his mm-hmm. question is, um, can you elaborate on why it's important for Door of Hope not to seek out government funding? It might help other organizations, but why specifically not for the Door of Hope is what J.P. Paulus is asking. Well, that's my friend. Um, well, as many people who talk about separation from church and state don't understand is that uh, most government funding do not come to places like this because we proselytize, we preach, and mm-hmm. that's not going to be funded, and we we don't even think about it. Um, you know, the, the real money is in foundations and in, in community support. You know, government grants and things like that are very small, and there's something to consider if you're going to do something for profit, and I'm sure nonprofits like the NFL and others, you know, they, they do quite well with the government, but... Um, you know, I believe there should be a separation of church and state because the government should not tell us how to run this. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, our input on the government is our vote. We don't, we don't particularly, um, we, we do not support a candidate from the pulpit or anything like that. But any candidate who's running for office is more than welcome to knock on our door uh, mm-hmm. because we want to know you. We want to support you. You know, if you're in, in place, or if you're new on the scene, we want to know you. We want to support you if possible, if you have something new. So, you know, government money is the reason why a lot of places are closed now, because when mm-hmm. uh, Governor Rauner and others um, wanted to make change, um, there, it, there had to be some cuts. There had to be some hard decisions made. And a lot of people are not happy about it, but I kind of understand the math. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you overstaff yourself, or you overinvest in one thing and then the money gets shut off, you got to shut down. And it's sad because there's some really good organizations that have closed their doors just in the last 12 months, you know, because of this. And, and I think yes, it, 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 we need the citizens' support. We need foundational support. Okay, great. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way that you would 
like to share with our listening audience? Waiting on the Lord. You know, uh, we ran out of food once, and a friend called me and said that they, they, they put me in touch with where I needed to go to get supplies, food and supplies, you know, free or at a cost. They they, 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 they helped at that right time, and it was within 24 hours that we were okay, and this was like eight years ago. Um, but I had to learn how to be patient, and I had, this, this place taught me how to break. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you. Like, you know, if I have learned anything, I learned how to do that. Um <laughs> I have I have I I have learned that I don't have all the answers. I have learned that I can't do it all. I have learned humility. I have learned uh how to care for people I don't know. I have learned oh man, so much. I, I have learned um how to teach better. Um mm-hmm. how to how to I I've well, I I've just I, I think when God puts you where he needs you, again, that positioning, you fit right there. You fit right there. And it is not a purpose. It's not a matter of comfort or, 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 or yeah, I, I finally arrived. Actually, it's a great deal of suffering that comes with it, but there is, it is a righteous suffering. And you know that your efforts are having, uh, opposed to, well, you know, I just sold a car. And they'll it'll lose its value as soon as it drives off the lot, and they're going to want to trade it in in two years. There's nothing there. Whereas when you talk to speaking to a person's soul, and and they're and they're growing as a Christian, and they understand it in a way that is that makes sense, um, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You, the church is doing what it's supposed to do, and that's disciple mm-hmm. uh, men into interdependent living. Okay, and then as far as the organization management is concerned, what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way as far as managing an organization? Um, Surround yourself with people that love organization's vision but also Mm -hmm. are not too proud to learn what it takes to have the position they have. You know, there's a lot of humility that comes with learning. That comes with reading, that that comes with seeking out information to be good at what you do, and I don't think most people who want to be on nonprofit boards have that desire. And okay. uh, I've learned that the vetting is a very very difficult process at first, but when you walk into an organization that's put together pretty well, you'll stand out if you don't want to do anything. <laughs> you you will stand out. Uh, yeah. You know, and yeah, they have to have the passion. The passion vision, the energy. It has to be something um, built in love, that you care enough for each other. Uh, even though you only meet for an hour a month, you know, there there is an affection that exists between the, the, the residents, the community, the board, the executive director, all parties involved. There, there's just okay. an affection. Yeah. Okay, great. We've got time for one more question, and and that is, you know, you've recently started your blog, Mission Possible. Can you tell us a yeah. little bit about that? Well, anybody who's familiar with my Facebook page knows that I put a whole bunch of stuff out there. <laughs> yes, uh, what indeed. you see on my personal page, <laughs> it's probably a tenth <laughs> of what I put out there. Mission Possible is specifically for nonprofits. 
people. Now, I haven't made it public yet. Oh, yes, I did. I just made it public last week. But I mm-hmm. place sources like the Association of Gospel Rescue Mission, Joan Gary, who is excellent for nonprofit leadership information, yes. Advocacy for Rescue Mission, TechSoup for nonprofits so you can get free stuff <laughs> as well as cheap stuff like, uh, you know, $15 licenses on Microsoft, um, Liz at Network for Good. All, you know, just goodies for people who are doing the work that I do or looking to do the work that I do so they, you know, have resources of people who have already talked to people who have taken the hard fall, you know, or the soft landing as well. But the, the information is there so you have the uh, educational defense for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. No, great, great. So we have come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank you, David, again. David, just want to remind everybody, is the executive director of the Door of Hope Rescue Mission, and thank you so much for being our guest. Would you have thank any you. parting thoughts that you would? Okay, great. You would care to share with us? Sure. My parting thoughts would be uh, really just love one another. Uh, mm-hmm. A good listener. Because, it's, again, it's a lot of trauma, a lot of people traumatized, a lot of people going through mm-hmm. crises and chaos. You know, they're all at Hollywood deaths last year, but a lot of people lost family members. A lot of babies being born. They need to know that this world is not what they see on the news. Um, you know, but mm-hmm. pray for me, for sure. Pray for me yes. and Lord Hope Rescue. And I shall definitely include you in my prayers. Um, and finally, how can we reach you in the event that we need your services? Sure. My direct phone number is 773-624-0585. That's 773-624-0585. Our address, 5313 South Indiana Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 60615. Uh, you can make your checks out to Dorfolk Rescue Mission. They are tax deductible. And we have an email address, door underscore of underscore hope at att.net. And we have a Facebook page, Dorfolk Rescue Mission. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, I want to thank our listening. I want to thank our listening audience for spending time with us today. The show will be available for download within about an hour. Be sure and join us next week when our guest will be Victor Dixon. Victor is the CEO of the Safer Foundation. So if you've enjoyed what you heard today, I'm sure you will enjoy next week's show as well. So again, thank you very much. You take care and goodbye.